Kevin, what is the best way to describe Luke 5 adventures? Best described, I guess, by our mission statement, which goes uh, bringing families impacted by disabilities closer to Christ, showing empathetic love by making the impossible possible. And our tagline is hiking with those who can't hike themselves. And so what our, what we do is we basically model the example given by the account in the fifth chapter of Luke, where the group of friends banded together to take their friend who had a disability to go see Jesus, basically to go see something amazing that he could not see on his own. And uh, what, what dawned on me years ago was that 90%, I don't know if it's 95, whatever percent of God's incredibly just majestic creation is outside the context of the boardroom or the bedroom or the schoolroom or the sidewalk. But there are so many people in our society through no fault of their own are confined to the 1% or the 5% with, with almost zero opportunity to go see the 99%. And, um, and that just kind of broke my heart at, at uh you know, strive to find a way to fix that. And so using this unique piece of apparatus that we import from France, um, we're able to take people with virtually any disability to places that they would never, ever be able to go on their own. So for people who may be listening to the podcast but aren't on the news page to see the the photographs, can you describe what this uh, device is? (laughs) And and that's part of the difficulty. The thing we struggle with continually is uh, to describe it as in words is very difficult. Uh, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words, and that really is. But and a video is worth, you know, a million words. But so one of my favorite things to do is to describe this thing and then show people a picture, and, and inevitably they are like, uh, yeah, that's not at all what I was thinking. So I describe it as it's basically designed. Um, loosely on the mountain rescue equipment. So it's part unicycle, meaning there's one wheel, part wheelchair, meaning there's a a chair, padded chair where the hiker sits, and then part two-ended wheelbarrow, meaning there's a person in front and a person in back. And so the beauty of the design of this thing is that all of the weight of the hiker, the person who's in the chair, is directly on top of the wheel, which has a disc brake and a shock absorber and all of that. So the people in front and behind are not bearing the weight of the person in the chair. Um, so if you're on flat ground, you could do this with your fingertips. It's not hard. You're just balancing. Um, it's only when you're going steeply uphill or downhill or lifting up and over an obstacle or a root or a rock or a tree where you have to put some muscle to it. It's so capable. We, we've had 250-pound adult men up and over trees and rocks that are three feet tall and down into river valleys. And um, and we've also had a 17-pound, 18-month-old little boy with a trach and a vent and, and everything in between. And they're getting a smooth ride. Yeah, they're getting a smooth ride because of the padding and the shock absorber on the wheel. And uh, so it's a very comfortable for them. You know, sometimes we have four people surrounding. Uh, if it's a kind of a calm trail, sometimes we have 10 people. I, I've built uh, extended harnesses out front where if, if we're going steeply uphill for a length of time, we, it's almost like Santa Claus and the reindeer. We have, you know, six or eight people pulling up front or lifting. 
So this requires uh, a lot of volunteers, or, or can family members take part too, or how, how does that work? Yeah, so we have um, we've developed a pretty strong database of volunteers that just they come partly from our church, partly from the community, um, partly from the organizations that we partner with, um, and so and we've built all of the policies and procedures and safety and training. So at the we have multiple levels of volunteers as far as their training is concerned. So at the, at the very least, you have to have we have to have one person in charge of that group who has been trained to transfer the hiker from their chair to this chair safely, be able to buckle them in, be aware of any like feeding tubes and things like that. So that's pretty technical. Um, but then the rest of the is grunt labor <laughs> basically around the, around the chair. We never send it out with fewer than four people, but depending on the weight size of the hiker uh, in combination with the difficulty of the trail, sometimes we'll have as many as 10 people go with that hiker uh, along the journey. I saw on your website where some folks are referred to as Sherpas. Yeah, so we use that word to refer to uh, any volunteer. So we have multiple levels of Sherpas, like a seating and transfer Sherpas and trail Sherpas. But uh, everybody that does anything, including off-trail, like we have prayer Sherpas, financial Sherpas who help support the ministry financially, our kids in our youth classes and children who are writing Christmas and birthday cards and encouragement cards to these hikers, you know, their Sherpas. So we just use that as a general word to describe any volunteer that's doing anything to help the ministry. And that's kind of one of those cool words, too. I know what you're saying. Yeah, ever, yeah, almost everybody identifies a Sherpa as somebody who is assisting somebody to go climbing or to go see a trail um, based on the, the, the helpers out in the Himalayas that assist the mountain climbers. So what would take place on, on a typical hike? Yeah, so uh, we have three broad categories of activity. The first one represents about 20% of what we do, and that is an individual hiker just re- reaches out to us and says, my son or daughter would really like to go on a hike. And then we rally the volunteers and get the equipment. We meet at a park, and we take that person on a one- or two-hour hike at a state park or a municipal park nearby, and um, all of that's free of charge. I covenanted with myself early, early on that I was never going to have a conversation with a family about having to pay for this. I'd much rather spend my time raising money to to pay for all of this than to ask uh, a family to pay. So uh, that's all free. The second broad category, which represents most of what we do, probably 70, 80 percent of what we do, and that is um, either – through our through our own activity or partnering with another organization to do multiple hikes on a certain day, um, we call that an event. So we might say we're partnering with Children's Hospital this day. We're going to have three hikes at nine, three hikes at ten thirty, three hikes at twelve. So we can do a lot of activity, you know, killing a bunch of birds with one stone kind of a thing. And uh, so those those people would experience a a one hour hike at a at a park on an interesting trail, but we're able to do a lot of those um, kind of in a rotation basis. And then the third broader category is the only thing that we might charge for, and that is like a custom-made. If somebody reached out to us and said, uh, my father has always wanted to 
go to the Grand Canyon. Can you take us there? And we'd say, yeah, of course, but it's, you know, it'll cost because we're going to have to fly equipment there and hotels and food and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so the the experience is basically a one-hour hike off trail going down to places that, uh, you know, we took a 50-year-old woman you know, a week or so ago, and she said, there's not one inch of this trail that I would be able to do on my own. And and we've taken 30-year-olds who have never been off the sidewalk walk before, never been in the woods. It's just completely transforming to people. Um, and it, it just quenches their thirsty soul when, when God speaks through nature, through experiences that they are heretofore were absolutely impossible for them. Kevin, what is in your own heart when you see people take a hike, maybe for the first time ever, you know, seeing you know, trees and squirrels and forest and so forth? What what goes through your mind? Yeah, well, I, I struggled of late. Um, this, this thing has grown so quickly and so uh, has gripped so many hearts in such a strong way. I, I struggled early on with the question of why. You know, what, what I've been in ministry for 30 years, and I've never experienced anything that has so powerfully gripped people in and outside the church. The, the, the world of families living with disabilities is the largest unchurched people group in the world. And so most people that you interact with that are living with a disability do not have a faith walk because the, the church with a capital C has, has done such a poor job of, of um, speaking to those people. So I struggled for a long time to to understand why this was so powerful. Uh, it was revealed to me a couple of months ago when one of our hikers, a little girl who is blind, hearing impaired, and nonverbal, um, we had take her, taken her up to a waterfall, and she and we had taken her out of the chair, and she was sitting beside the water playing with uh, her hand in the water, and. Uh, her mother looked at a photograph that somebody took, and she said, that reminds me of Psalm 42, um, where the deer is panting after the water, and God is quenching the thirsty soul of, of the writer of the psalm. And it just it just uh, was a light switch that went off in my brain that said, that's what's happening here. And so the answer to your question is, what, what I experienced, what is spoken to in my heart is that through these hikes, God, through his creativity, it may be unbeknownst to the person. They don't even know it's happening. Um, but God is quenching this hiker's thirsty soul by being out in his creation, seeing the sunlight filter through the trees that they never see or feeling the water coming off of a, a babbling brook for the first time ever. And um, so I, I think it's a soul-quenching uh, situation that's going on here, and that's what makes it so special. And this can can change lives, I would think. Literally <laughs> and powerfully. You can imagine yourself, if you were confined to a wheelchair and you had no opportunity, the lady who was uh, kind of the inspiration at the beginning for me is 70 years old, and she's been in a wheelchair for 20 years because of a car accident. And she told me when I first started sharing with her the idea, she said, I've come to the realization that I will never, ever, ever, this side of heaven, be able to experience over there in the trees or off the sidewalk. 
but for her to be able to do that once again is just life-changing for her. But imagine as one of our Sherpas, one of our volunteers, you are the one who is helping make that possible. And so it's equally um, life-changing for the volunteers. And um, it's just it's been an incredible experience for everybody involved. Do you have the opportunity to pray with people if, they, if they're wanting to? Uh, yes. And in fact, I mean, we make, we make no excuses about the, the fact that, um, that right in our mission statement, being, bringing families closer to Christ. And so that's our ultimate goal. Well, whether we're partnering with Children's Hospital or the Parks Foundation or the Association for the Blind, the Visually Impaired, those are not church-based or faith-based organizations, but they say to us, hey, yeah, you you tell whatever story you want to tell. And so we, we do a lot of praying with families. We do a lot of just having conversations along the trail with the moms and the dads and the um I, it's become a little kind of entertaining for me because uh, there are I've had so many conversations of people who are have become volunteers through Facebook groups or hiking groups or the hospital or whatever, and they have no faith um, story of their own. I had a group of ladies that were just walking beside me on the trail as I was kind of following the group, and, and they came up to me and they said, "So are, are you are you Luke?" <laughs> Because they had seen, you know, it was called Luke Five Adventures. Uh, they thought I was Luke, and so it, it allows me to say, "Oh no, I'm not Luke." But funny, you should ask. Let me tell you, and it gives me the opportunity to share just the love of Christ with people who probably would not have that uh, shared with them outside of an activity like this. So, with uh, creation as a background, it's not difficult to help point people to the Creator. Exactly, and uh, especially for those who uh, never get to see it uh, or maybe seeing it for the first time. That's that's why I, I keep going back to the soul-quenching piece of this, that these people may not even know they have a soul. They might not even care if they did know, but that doesn't mean they don't, and that doesn't mean God can uh, not, in his sovereignty, speak into that soul and um, that that just explains to me why this is so gripping for people. Right now, uh, your ministry is is church sponsored. Do you have hopes of it becoming maybe standalone and perhaps you know, going national? Yeah, that's our that's our hope moving forward. We, uh, yeah, I'm one of the pastors. I'm an associate pastor at a church called Grace Chapel in suburban Cincinnati, and. Um, you know, and and I just started this ministry as a ministry of Grace Chapel. Well, it has grown so quickly and so broadly that in the in the last year and a half, we've taken over 250 hikes in seven states, and and it has dawned on me. Unfortunately, I have uh, the church backing. It's dawned on me that you know we can keep adding activity only so much. Um, but I I want to see it multiply. So instead of doing 250 hikes a year, I want to be able to see 10,250 hikes a year. And and to do that, we'll need to open up local chapters outside of our area. And so that's really our goal for the future is to identify churches around the country with the caring and the passion and the bandwidth to do the same thing we're doing, 
I would love it if a church outdid us. I mean, that would be awesome. But so my goal or our goal uh, for the future is to um, have conversations with people all across the country who would like to do the same thing. And then we could provide the training and the, and the tools and the policies and procedures and things to open up Luke 5 adventure chapters all over the place. Okay. In our online version, we will hyperlink to, to, so people can get information, but for people who may be listening to the podcast only, where can they go to find out more about the ministry? So our website is Luke 5, the number 5, adventures.com. So no spaces, Luke, the number 5, adventures.com. And then we also have Facebook, Instagram, people who follow us on Instagram. And then we have a YouTube channel, all um, at Luke5adventures.com. All right. Kevin, I sure appreciate your sharing with us. Yes, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure, and I'm uh, I'm really uh, thankful to you to, that uh, you've helped us tell our story, and I, I look forward to those 10,000 hikes across the country very soon. All right. 